head, open up your Bible, and I'm going to talk to the microphone. I'm always going to keep I'm just going to get right in this, and you're going to pay attention, take your notes from what we're going Amen. I'm going to have the worship team come on up. <laughs> that was it. That was it. You didn't get it? No, I'm just kidding. <sighs> Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 16. I'm going to read. Uh, we've read this portion of scripture a couple times now. If you're visiting, you're hopefully going to get uh, a blessing, and we're going to try and get more out of this context. And my goal is for you today to develop a vision for who you are in the body of Christ, or, or to return to it, or to sit well in it, to be so excited to be part of the body of Christ. Your part, not my part. You can be excited about my part too, but don't do my part. Be excited about the part next to you, but don't do their part. You do your part, and you'd be so set free and so ready to just abide in the vine. You're the branch. You produce the fruit. He, he produces the root, and, and you abide in him. And out of you, naturally, supernaturally, God is going to use you for eternal things. Your life will actually count. You won't see it now. I'm just letting you know. God actually is too kind to let you see most of the eternal fruit you're garnering to yourself. He won't let you see it now because you would become a weirdo. You would, you would give yourself a website possibly and maybe a ministry title and maybe you know, a, a, a nonprofit status. And you might just go crazy and say, give your money to me. You might go crazy. Instead, he says, I just want you. Nothing wrong with all those innately, but be careful. God, God is so kind to say, you know, heaven's going to be so legit. I'm not even going to show you some of the things I'm doing right now because you would, your face would melt and your head would explode and that's not going to happen. So what I want you to do is just trust me, live, reflect me, reflect, respond, respond. He's the initiator, we're the responder. Let him squeeze you, let him hug you and you hug back, let him squeeze you and fruit comes out. And, and when you just settle in and abide slowly like a tree does, like a tree, it naturally, supernaturally produces the proper fruit in its season. And in its dormant season, it does just that. It goes through a dormancy of healing and restoration when the leaves fall off and the roots grow deep and the, the fibers firm up in preparation for what's next. And if you're like me, you go through this, the four seasons of agriculture, you'll go through them in one day. You'll be producing fruit in the morning and all of a sudden things get challenging and the fall comes, your leaves come off and all of a sudden you're in the winter of your life and it's only noon, you know what I'm saying? You, need, you, you just need lunch, that's all it is. And so you have lunch and all of a sudden springtime happens and then by summertime you're at, star, by summertime, by noon, at two o'clock you're at Starbucks and all of a sudden you're producing fruit again, you know, and you go through these cycles and you got to trust the Lord that what he's doing in your life matters now and it counts forever, okay? And, and just and quit tripping. I was with the, uh, the worship team in the prayer room before we started and we were all kind of tripping about different things, pressures in our own life, and I just had to focus on the fact that no matter what I think or do, it doesn't impact who my God is or what he's doing. He is so good at what he does, and he's been good thus far. Like, he's got a pretty good record. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's batting a 1,000, and his team is a bunch of dropouts, me and you, you know? And he just keeps cranking them out, cranking them out with a bunch of losers like us. It's amazing. And so you focus on him, you abide in him, and all of a sudden fruit comes out. All of a sudden you're on the winning team. All of a sudden you look down, you got a Super Bowl ring on your finger. You're like, how did I win? Well, because of Jesus. You just gave the ball to Jesus every time. Anyways, I'm, I'm just, I don't know what I'm saying. Verse 11. Oh, and he himself gave some, he's passing out roles, to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and some teachers for the equipping of the saints. Everyone say saints. saints. That's you guys. 
That's you guys who made the book. You're in here. For the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ until, oh, this is the goal, till we come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. The goal is that we would all love and look like Jesus. We just sang that song, so you're on the right track. I just want to be like Jesus. Jesus, I just, oh, you know, you, you, ran, you sang it better than me. That's the goal. If you're wondering, how does my Christianity look? What should I do? Man, focus on that. Uh, Matt, J- Jesus would have said it differently. He would have said, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and my righteousness, and everything else will be added unto you. It'll just be legit. It, you won't even have to worry about what you're going to do, what you're going to wear, where you're going to go. You'll just look behind you, and all that will be taken care of. He goes on to say, Verse 13, until we come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But oh, instead of being tossed around, we speak the truth in love. Instead of being deceived, we are those who lead others. And how do we do it? Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. We may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. You ever thought about Jesus, how he was just so bold and blunt? I mean, the guy got murdered at 33. Like, he was taking people off. But everything he said that was true was done in great love. And when you have the truth, when you know the word, and you speak it to your brothers and sisters, your sons and your daughters, your, your, your haters and lovers in life, you, you share it. You do so in love like our Savior. You become like him. Verse 16, this is where we're going to have our main text today in our study time, so please pay attention. From whom the whole body, that's all of us, joined and knit together. How? Well, by what every joint supplies. Did you catch that? We're joined together. And, and in theory, we know that. In the spirit, we're, we're brother and sister. It's pretty legit. He says, though, practically, the real joining is not just in the spirit, although it is. The real joining is, is by what we supply and what we take, what, what, how we kind of reciprocate what I give to you and what you give back to me. We are just, whoa, you have something I don't have. Can I have it? And in Christ, I say, yes, you may. And I say, you know what? I have something you don't have. Would you like it? And you say, yes, you may. And every joint is supplying strength, like the sinews and like the ligaments and like the tendons and like the muscles and like the bones and like the blood and like the cells and like the atoms and like, you get the point. They're all in here doing their part together, saying, you got enough blood? Got enough white cells? You got enough food? You got enough protein? You got enough rest? And they're all just doing what they do. Working to get so beautiful. He says, we, uh, every joint supplies, according to the effect of working, by which every part does its share, it causes then, verse 16, growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. I like how he ends it with that four-letter word. He says, the whole thing is love. You ever gone to the gym and just felt super loved afterwards? You know what I'm saying? Usually you feel kind of like worked, like, man, that was crazy, you know? I'll be back tomorrow, you know? And it's, it's both and. It's like I am growing in the things of God, and I need you, and you need me, and vice versa, and I'm edifying myself in the whole catalyst, the whole foundation, the whole purpose, the whole reason, the whole motivation, the whole initiation is a big old love hug from Jesus. And then I get to do, instead of got to do, the things he's calling me to. Do you understand that? When you get that Christianity is a get to, what? I get to walk in holiness? Not, I got to walk in holiness. I'm going to get crunched. (sighs) Don't want to take him off. No, I get to be delivered from unrighteousness. I get to have the Holy Spirit. I get to be connected with people I don't even know. I get to be healed. I get to be forgiven. I get to walk. And that's how we began this portion of scripture is now, Christians, walk. Walk. Worthy of the call with which you were called. 
And he instructs us in Ephesians chapter 4, 5, and 6 how to walk the walk. He says, walk in unity, the first thing. Man, just walk connected. We had Pastor Andy Albright from the Nazarene Church come over here and, and read this and, and share with us and pray with us about five weeks ago in kicking off this unity idea. And that was fun for the Nazarene Church and us to combine. We're hoping to have Pastor Andy share one of our Hope in the Parks. That's our goal. We're trying to make, make schedules work so we can blend churches together in outreach purposes. This is awesome. Just even the ideas is worth it to me. But that's fun to have unity with other churches. But how about within the church? How about just right here? How about unity right here or unity within your family or unity within those who maybe are already part of your circle? Maybe your life group or maybe your best friends forever, your Christian compadres. How important is that unity? How important is it that you share and give and take and reflect? It's got to be all love. When you love the church across town, oh, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell, dwell together in unity. Oh, when you love the people at your own church, they're even closer proximity, better figure this out. When you love them, when love motivates you, how beautiful is that? And even more so when you love the, the workers that God's putting directly next to you in your ministry or your family. So that being said, let's pray and ask God to bless us now as we study in Jesus' name. Father, we've read your word and we ask a blessing upon it. We believe that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And we believe that edification comes by dwelling in the, wet, in the word of God and, and understanding the word of God. And we believe, Lord, that fruit comes by walking in the word of God, by doing what you say to do. And we believe, Lord, that fruit can only come from the root. And the root is not us, it's you. And so we are doing our best and only what we can do to expose ourselves to your word and your Holy Spirit. And then we take a big breath. And like the sower, Mark 4, 14, who sows the word and then goes to bed, and wakes up and there's growth, so too we're going to do our part, and we are expectant that you would do your part. Have mercy on this church, Lord. Have mercy on your body. May she, Lord, be edified today. May there be growth. May it be abundant and clear. May it be life-changing today, Lord. May there be maturity in the body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. First of all, uh, I would remind you of James chapter 1 where the Bible says that every good and every perfect gift is from above, and it comes down from the Father of lights of whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And the Bible goes on to say, James, Jesus' little brother, says this, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be the first fruits of his creatures. James says, man, every gift, if you want a gift, if you want to know what gifts come from, they come from God. He's just the giver. And he gave because he first called you to himself. He called you out. This isn't about you. This isn't your great idea. This is his grand plan. And to me, I love leading but I also love having a good plan. And the plan is from God. He says, here's what I'm going to do. Can you lead this out? I say, yeah. But if you would have me make it up on my own, we'd all be doomed. But he says, no, this is my plan to grow you. I'm going to give gifts. I'm going to give gifts. I'm going to give gifts. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. And he modeled this by being a gift himself. You know that, right? The Bible says, for God so loved, that's our catalyst, our foundation of motivation. God's, God's such a lover. He's like, what should I do? What should I do? Do everything for them? No. What should I do? do should, I, should I just go ahead and produce the fruit? No. Should I? I know. I'll give Jesus, and Jesus will pay for their sins. Oh, epic, epic. And then Jesus, after paying for our sins, will give to us the Holy Spirit. Oh, insane. Holy Spirit, God with us, Emmanuel, everywhere. And the Holy Spirit then, what's he do? Oh. He starts to give gifts out. Oh, here's a gift for you, gift for you, gift for you. God gave Jesus. Jesus gave the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives gifts, and then the Holy Spirit takes those gifts, puts them in you, and then gives you the body to the body. And he says, now you go and be the church. I'm going to give you to this person individually and personally. I'm going to give you a gift first. Wouldn't that be weird to go to a white elephant gift party without a gift? Like You're like, 
I guess I'm the gift. <laughs> I was like, no, no, we want a gift. What do you have? And God gives you gifts to then give. It's the whole thing's giving. And you're here today, and you, most of you, I would just assume, maybe I'm too pessimistic. Most of you would say right off the bat, yeah, I don't really know what my spiritual gifts are. I just don't know. Like, I know I love Jesus, and I love the body. I'm doing my best, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know who I'm, I don't know really who I am, and I, I get that. Most of you would probably just maybe in your insecurities jump to that conclusion. I don't really know what my gift is. Uh, one time I had a friend, his name was Tito. Uh, Tito Burke, not Tito Jackson, different guy. Uh, uh, Tito, uh, his name was Tito, though, and he, he was, uh, I was roommates with his brother in college, and Tito was going to the University of Oregon, and he tried to do a walk-on program with the Ducks there, and he went to tryouts, you know, a four-hour tryout, and everyone's getting their cuts, and he got cut. He didn't make the team, so he was leaving. He's kind of a littler guy, uh, and he didn't make the team, and as he's leaving, he just sh thanked the coaches by shaking their hands, and then the last coach, he said, hey, by the way, I, I'm pretty good at long snapping, just, just FYI. He said, well, Really? We'll go ahead, and he gave him a ball, and he said, go ahead and snap a few right now. And he snapped a few long snaps, you know, between the legs to the kicker, and did a couple. He said, he said stop right there, and he went and got some more coaches. More coaches came, and he said, do it again. And he made him do about 100 snaps right there on the fly. He said, come back tomorrow. Guy came back tomorrow, tried out for the team, and made the team based on his ability to be a long snapper. He wanted to do other things on the team and be an Oregon Duck and all the rest, and they didn't identify any gifts within him. But he said, I, I do have this ability to get the ball to the kicker about 20 yards. It's a big distance. I can do it on point. And I don't know how many of you are here today that are still trying out for other teams in the body of Christ, or maybe you tried out and got cut, so you just sat down. I guess I'm, I guess I'm, I'm one of those seat warmers. That's what I do. Is that in there? Is that in there? I'm a seat warmer, you know, and, 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 and that's what I do. Or is there a different spiritual gift that you have to accompany warming the seats or to come here and get blessed and to get um, uh, encouraged and edified to then go out and give? And the first thing you just need to understand is that Jesus gives the gifts, and he gives the gifts for the reason so you, like Tito, can go to your coach, your crew, and say, I got, I can do something. I can long snap. You guys have long snapping covered? And somebody might say, yeah, we actually don't have that covered here, whatever that is, whatever gift you have. And Jesus gave you a gift, or gifts, or gifts this is. That's more than one gift. He, he gave you gifts, so you would then be a giver, even if it's just one gift. You've heard the, the three T's, time, talent, and treasure. Each one of us have time. That's a gift. How do, you, how do you spend your time? Do you spend it in prayer and study, intercession? Do you spend it in fellowship, edification, evangelism? Do you spend it in exaltation and worship and service? Wait, that's your, it's your time. That's a gift. God's given it to you. Some have more, some have less. All of us have talents as well, time, talent. We have talents. Some of us are very gifted at what we have. Some of us have very few talents. I don't care how many you have. That you have a talent is God's gift to you to then reciprocate and give back. You can do it or not. You can let your uh, light go under a bushel. You can take your talents and actually bury them and get rebuked heavily. That's your choice. Don't do it. Read the Bible. You know what I'm saying. You can take your time. You can take your talent. Or you can take your treasure. What God's given to you, your first fruits. You give that to Jesus in his name. You, give, you might have a lot of money or little money. It doesn't matter. You give a portion to God for him to use for his glory, and you worship him in all of those three T's, time, talent, and treasure. Can I just say, Jesus modeled it, lest he would think, lest you would think he's hypocritical. Lest he would come to the world and say, hey, I'm going to give you a bunch of gifts, but I want you to give them away immediately. Now I'm going to sit on my throne. Peace. Instead, he came down and said, that's what I want you to do. Now I'm going to show you how it looks. I'm going to give. I'm going to give my time. I'm going to give my talent. And I'm going to give my first fruit, my life. I'm going to, I'm going to give it all for you because I want you to see what it looks like. I want you to be encouraged. And when you are discouraged in your giving of your time, talent, and treasure, or when you are confused, you can then look to Jesus. Oh, uh, if Jesus did it, I can do it. 
If Jesus bled out, as a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 12, right around verse 4, basically in summary says, you ain't bleeding yet. Jesus gave until he bled. You ain't bleeding yet. Look to him. He'll be encouraged. You'll be able to give more. Give more what? Whatever he gives you first. Okay? You, you, have you ever tried to give something you don't have before? I think it's shoplifting. I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> like I'm gonna, you know, no, no, no. You can only give what you have. It's not a big deal. And if you're overwhelmed about what you can't give because you don't have it, stop it. That's not your problem. You give what you do have. And you just have to go to the scriptures and get edified and say, okay, what do I have? What can I give? Because the best way to live is to give. I'm not even messing with you. Jesus said it's better to give than to receive. Now, our culture and your wicked heart thinks otherwise. We think we'll, it, it might be better to give, but it really is really cool to receive too. Trust me, I love it. I love it. Try me, try me. I'll show you how much I love it. <laughs> right? And in our culture, man, giving is not the norm. We need to be instructed and edified in the, in the word to say, do this. Jesus wouldn't have said it if we wouldn't have thought opposite, okay? Whenever the word says something crazy, it's because you always think the opposite. So he says, it's better to give than to receive. And in your flesh, you're like, oh, okay, I'm going to try. I'm gonna, I'll try it then. I will give and see if it actually is better. And if you've ever done that, if you've ever just decided to give of your time, talent, and treasure and let the Lord squeeze out of you fruit and be used, oh, it is so cleansing and so healing, so refreshing. And you are becoming, check this out, you are growing at that very moment into the image of God. For God so loved that he gave. And you're becoming more like your God in heaven, your, your father. And all of us are very similar to our earthly dads. We just kind of look like him. It's just the way it works. And so too, when you are giving time, talent, and treasure, and you're just a giver, you're just like your papa in heaven. You're being just like him. And what better goal is there to be than a reflection of our God in heaven? It's been said before that you can make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. This is, this is so important, this message in our culture of consumerism. I mean, we are just so, most of us, and I hope I don't step on your toes, but most of us, myself included, when you get a raise or a bonus or, or more, we instantly have no problem spending it on ourselves. It's just the way, oh, cool, I got this, now I can expand that. Oh, I'm getting more of this, oh, I can do this. I remember a couple of years ago, I had two extra jobs besides this, and those jobs made about three or $400 um, together combined. I was working at Fred Meyers and taking, um, doing some home inspections as well. And I remember I was on the grind hustling to make a couple bills, get paid, and I thought about it, though. I was like, what if every Christian had a quarter-time job like this, just kind of a secret job they did behind the scenes, no one even knew about really, and just made a couple hundred bucks just three or 400. What if everybody did this just to get money? I was trying to get extra money to spend. What if I did this just to give? What if I was like, man, I just want to support a missionary, and the only way to do it is by getting more so I can give more? I just thought, wouldn't that be so radical to just have that mindset instead of I want to get more so I can spend more on myself, but instead if I get more, and I just need to, with you, say, wow, Lord, help us detox of this, this consumerism. And again, I don't want to step on anybody's toes un unrightfully, um, but just let the Spirit uh, minister to you because if he gives you gifts and you just consume them and don't contribute with them, okay, it's ultimately going to make you sick. It's ultimately going to make you weird and out of shape and in unbalanced. You ever seen the guy that only ever consumes and never contributes? Anyways. <sighs> it's funny, too. I hope in the park I asked a question. I said... Uh, Raise your hand if you believe in Jesus, and everybody raise their hand. And then I said, raise your hand if by believing in Jesus, you are living, you have life. That's what he says in John 20. If you're going to believe, and by believing, you're going to have life. 
in his name. And I think people misunderstood the question because I said, well, you raise your hand if you're living, and like three people raised their hand. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, uh, okay, we've got a problem, <laughs> everybody. Every... But I talked to one guy after the fact, and I don't want to embarrass him, uh, so I'll just give you his initials. It's Larry, Larry Sorensen. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Larry's the bus driver, and we were just talking later, and he said, when you asked that question, Pastor, I thought to myself, we, we were sharing in the blood bus. We were just giving blood together. And he said that when, I, when you asked that question, I thought about my life two years ago. And two years ago, I was the most depressed person, most angry, most bitter person I knew. I just, everything had been, just my whole life was horrible. And then the Lord began to move in his life, and he began to then hear the gospel here. He came to church here, and his goal here, sitting right there, right where you're sitting, James, sitting right there, he said, I want more people to hear this. I want more, I, how can we get more people? He talked to me, Luke, how can we get more people to come experience what I'm experiencing? I was like, I, I'm doing my best, I don't know. And he said, how about I buy a bus? He offered, how about I buy my own bus, and I pick people up as many as I can for the rest of my life until I die? I said, dude, that's, that's a great idea. You're crazy, you know. Make sure it has insurance, you know. And, and, he, and it does. And so he then funded the whole thing. We wrapped it for him, an SBC wrap. And now he's doing that as much as he can, picking people up of his own accord, single guy, making his monthly bills. We help him out with his gas, and so should you. Wouldn't that be fun? Everybody lays a, everybody lays a 50 on him today. But I talked to him in the blood bus. And he said, when you asked, are we living... He said, I, I thought, I was like, yeah, dude, I for sure am fired up. Like, I'm a single dude with nothing to do and doing as much as I possibly can. And I'm giving, and I'm so stoked, and my life has never, ever been better. <laughs> we just gave blood, and we're a little lightheaded. You know, it was awesome eating crackers together. <sighs> you can make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. And all of us are here. We're just common men and women. We, we count ourselves out because the devil's sneaky. But all of us have natural talents and God-given gifts. And when we all do our part to serve the body and minister to the church, we don't just consume, but we contribute. And that'll change your experience at church. You realize that? I don't know if you guys love church. I love church. I come to serve. I, don't, I, I hope you, most of you come to, to receive. That's kind of how it works. I used the term at the last Sunday services that 5% of the church serves 95% of the church on Sundays. 5% shows up extra early, stays extra late, works extra hard. 95% just shows up and chows down. You know, Thanksgiving dinner at the in-laws. Like, yeah, bring it on. You know, why? So that way you can go out and be the church. That's the reason. So you can go out and be the best husband, the best wife, the best employee, the best bus driver, the best you. You come here and you get blessed. And you go out there and then you serve. That's the whole reason that the church gathers on Sundays like this. That's not what happens at a life group, by the way. Life group, everyone shows up to, to contribute. Everyone shows up to, to give and to take. It's, it's a different dynamic. It's more, it's, it's what we call the ground war. This is the air war where we just feed everyone. And then you show up at your little group at Starbucks at 6 a.m. on Wednesdays. Or you show up at the, the steakhouse, Newport Steak. And uh, you do that. The guys here, a lot of guys do that. Or fishtails. There's people getting together. It's different. Oh, I'm going to pray with you and you're going to pray for me. And I'm going to confess my sin and you're going to give me mercy. And oh, it's going to be so good. We're going to grow. The Sundays, though. We're here just to serve you so you can go out and serve the world. And if your church experience, though, listen, on Sundays is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the least possible at church, and, and I'm going to expect the most possible, you're going to be disappointed every single time without fail. You ever left church as disappointed? No. No. You, got, you guys aren't going to answer that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, didn't you get my email? <laughs> oh, I got it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, if you show up not wanting to, to give, but only to receive, 
If, that, if, that's, if that's your goal, your church experience will be, it'll be truncated. But if you show up to receive in order to give, what if you showed up to church like this? Man, this is going to be so sick. I need Ephesians. This is going to be so legit. I got Monday through Saturday coming at me hard, and I need to be equipped because there's some stuff going down at work. I need some stuff at my life. I need, I need to get this so I can get it on out there. And you come pen ready, looking for fellowship during the prayer time. You get prayed for during communion time. You take communion, taking, taking, taking prayer, taking fellowship, taking teaching, taking worship. Why? To go out there and do it. Okay, if you come in with that, anticipation with that expectation so if you come saying i'm gonna give of myself as much as i can and receive as much in order that i can produce as much then you'll be on fire as some people put it you ever seen that on fire christian i'm honest they're the ones that show up intentional ready to i'm just ready man i need so much but i'm gonna give it back you know what i'm saying that's how it works and then so if you would show up every sunday to consume 95 percent, that's fine in order that you would then be the best, I mean, you should be taking notes, getting prayer, getting that helmet on, shining your shoe, you know, gospel of peace. Oh, man, this is it. This is it. It's the difference between consuming and consuming so you can contribute. Okay? I work out a lot, and I work out better when I consume first. If I try and go do an extraneous workout without the proper consumption prior i notice my workout fails but if i eat protein and supplements and stuff i take 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 and then go 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 man it works but if you just are here to take yep yep no one said hi to me don't know why you know anyways i'm rabbit trailing Let's not use this sermon, Esai, <laughs> for the video. I'm just kidding. Uh, here's the deal, though. You might ask this question. Con contribute what? What do I have to offer? Maybe you hate public speaking. You're never going to offer anything. Maybe you hate taking care of other people's kids. Maybe you come to church here like, I can't offer anything. I, I'm a germaphobe, but I want to shake anybody's hands. You're the knuckle guy, you know, the elbow guy. You know, the, you're, the, you're the it's greeting time, I'm out the door guy. You, know? and you have excuses, and most of you think of yourself as very common, which is very true. You are. But you're also very gifted, very gifted, so unique, so special, so, so cool who you are in Christ. And God has given to us himself. Jesus then gave us the spirit. The spirit then gave us the, the, the gifts. And then the spirit made the church where the gifts are to flow, where they're to go back and forth. And Paul says that Christians look like a lot of different things. He's telling us to walk now. It's the walk of unity and the walk of purity. He's going to get into all that, the walk of harmony, the walk of victory, and ultimately the walk of love. This is how we're supposed to now walk and look as we've consumed. Verse 11, he says that he gave some to be pastors and apostles and prophets and teachers. And in verse 12, he says that we're to be equipped for the work of the ministry. And how do you get equipped? You guys know how? It's a four-letter word. starts with W, rhymes with erd you get it word thank you whew. did i say that too fast you guys are whew, you know whew. maybe we landed the plane everyone left listen you guys need to be equipped that's what a christian looks like and i hope you're getting equipped on sundays here we're studying through the bible it's what we do but i hope you're also getting the bible into you if you're a christian you need to get into this book again you can't contribute well in life unless you consume well spiritually first you're not going to be a good employee. You're not going to be a good spouse. You're not going to be a good parent. You're not going to be a good friend. You're not going to be a good driver. You're not going to be, unless you're consuming of the word first and letting it then touch you and uh, equip you. Verse 13 tells us also that we're going to be like Christ. What's a Christian look like? You're supposed to be growing in your Christ-likeness. 
okay? So maybe a good idea for you would be this summer is to read the word, to equip yourself, but read the gospels to learn who Christ is, to, to model him and to memorize what would Jesus do and to see and to be encouraged. Verse 14 tells us that we're to be grounded and solid. Christians aren't tossed to and fro. Uh, by the way, do you realize that most cults and false doctrines are, are grown in the church? Most cults, false doctrines, and wrong belief systems prey on immature believers. They don't go to non-believers and start cults, okay? Cults are started, not false doctrines, wrong prosperity true, true, you know, teachings, all of that stuff stems from immature believers that hear something. He says in verse 14, if you guys are doing this, you're consuming and contributing, you're going to be grounded, not tossed to and fro by every little wind of doctrine, every little new idea, every little ism and spasm and schism that comes up in the church. So Christians are to be grounded. Uh, verse 15 says that also we have tough love. Um, while we're growing up, which is truth and love. And verse 16, where we're going to start today, uh, tells us that the church is bigger than the, just the paid staff. It, it's bigger, and it says that we all have a part to minister to the Lord. And one idea, um, and this is a problem in our culture, is that we hire paid staff professionals to do a really good job at what they do, and they are the church. They serve the church in this way. And really, verse 11 tells us that those offices are there for the equipping of the body to do the work. Not here at the church. There's some work to be done here, but the real work is to get the salt out of the shaker, is to get the Christians out and about, is to get you the light out in all the dark places, and you get equipped here through the, the paid staff, dare I say it that way, but to think that the paid staff are going to go out into highways and byways and save this town or minister to your friends is crazy. You come here and receive the instruction and the edification and the knowledge and the encouragement, oh yeah, and then you go out there like disciples. You go out there like Christians, and you just abide and let the Lord use you. And you don't even have to force it, please. Okay, You don't have to force it. You just go out and be you, and you just raise your hand occasionally and say, I can long snap. You need that? You know, I can, and God will use you as he sees fit. And uh, here's the deal. As members of one body, okay, we belong to each other, and we have something that the other person needs. This is really fun. I have something that you need and vice versa. And if I'm willing to be in relationship with you and fellowship with you, I'm going to put myself in a position to receive what you have, that gift of edification or mercy or kindness or wisdom, and vice versa. And we get to flow. So you can't do this alone. And so when you're just a consumer, not a contributor, at least in your mind, it's not going to work for you. Because every believer, no matter how insignificant you may think you are, has a ministry to other believers. The body grows as the individual members grow. So I just would ask you before we even begin, what, what gift do you have? What story is yours? What experience do you have right now that makes you unique? How were you born? Were you big family, mixed family, small family, married, single, widowed? What, 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 who, what is your story? Did you know that that in reality is your gift? Good, bad, and ugly? Okay? It's your gift. You have a gift that has been given to you, and it could even be a, a scar on your heart. And I walked through a really tough marriage. Oh, man, I don't know what to do with myself now. Oh, guess what? There's other people that are still picking up the pieces from their failed marriages. Wouldn't that be awesome if you could take your gift, that is redemption, in pain, and then minister to other people? Or maybe you have a, a positive gift. Maybe it's a negative gift. Whatever you have is not just for you to hold on to. It's for you to share. And then you receive healing and strength and growth. Look at verse 16. He says, from whom the whole body joined in it together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying itself in love. Again, this, can I just get your attention? This has to be spawned by love. If you're ever 
lazy, beat up, tired, discouraged, uh, unwilling, rebellious, sinful, just off course, okay? You need to go back to the spout where the blessings come out, the love, chapters one through three. And you need to let God just straight up change you again through his love. And that love then will be a catalyst to giving. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, you can have all kinds of gifts. All of, you, could have all, you could have all of them. But if you don't have love, who cares? We don't even care. Because nobody cares how much you know or have until they know how much you love or, or care. They don't, it's just, that's the way it is. And so he says, that he ends this kind of thought in verse 16. So if you want to be a, an awesome driver, an awesome contributor, an awesome grocery store person, an awesome accountant, an awesome banker, an awesome friend, an awesome, you got to stay on the foundation of love. Okay? And you're going to be legit. You're going to be a great mom, a great dad. You're going to be a great neighbor, a great Sunday school worker. You're going to be a great mechanic. You're just going to be awesome. And if you get off that spot where love's that, now it's not a get to, and now it's a got to. Got to drive safe. Got an SBC sticker on my car. <laughs> I actually heard a story. A, a gal got into a car wreck, and uh, it wasn't her fault. And so she was going to get out of her car and yell at the driver. And she looked down, and she had an SBC hoodie on. True story. And she stayed in her car. And her mom said, what are you doing? She's like, Got a hoodie on. It's <laughs> gonna stay in my car. <laughs> okay, that's good. Baby steps, you know. <laughs> Baby steps, and uh, wouldn't it be awesome as love grows? And he says that's how this happens. And and as you feel that love from God, you will then grow healthily. Did you know they've done studies? You all know this. You've seen 2020 from years ago. With Baba Waltos, you, you've seen that, where these babies grow up in Romania and other places, and they don't ever get touched or no affection. They don't have any assimilation with other siblings. They sit in their cribs for months and years at a time, and they don't even grow right. They're fed on time. They're changed on time, but they're not touched or loved, and so this love changes everything. It actually makes you healthy from the inside out. God made it this way, and so it's got to be love. It's your motivation. It's impossible for the gifts to be ministered to any other way. This is such a fun thing. When you're a parent, man, when you wait, when you got to discipline your kids or minister to them, pray that God would give you love because uh, it'll make everything uh, more powerful. So as you consider your part, whatever your part is, love must be the reason. So um, as a matter of fact, look at verse, we studied this uh, in the park, for God so loved the world that he gave. It could have been so, for God was so ticked off that the world was blowing it. That he sent his son down as a sacrifice. Like, I would have accepted that too. Like, yeah, totally, dude, you know? But instead he's like, you were blowing it. It's bad. But it was my love that sent Jesus. It was the love that compelled him. It was the love that kept him on the cross. I mean, it's crazy. You want a motivator that's going to keep you committed to your marriage, committed to your kids, committed to your church? Love. Love never fails. It's the bond of perfection. And uh, so that's, that being said, um, I told you last week that there are four places where you could find your part in the scriptures, where your, your gift that God's given to you, both supernaturally at rebirth and naturally at birth, when you were given talents, when you were born. And those are Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4, and Ephesians 4. Those are where the gifts are mentioned. Now, in that list, there's about 20 or so. It depends on how many you divide. 20 different gifts are listed. I would say this, this list given biblically, in my opinion, is not exhaustive. 
I believe there's other spiritual gifts that God would give to the body of Christ to minister at times of need. I believe it's also not necessarily ordered in any certain way. If you read Paul's versus Peter's lists, they're not necessarily congruent. They're different order, and it's all kinds of fun. And so if you're an administrator right now, you just had a heart attack if you've got that gift. And you're like, I need order. You know, that, that's my spiritual gift. And yeah, raise your hand if you've got the gift of administration. You, just, that's, you like charts. You like graphs. You like uh, spreadsheets. You like labels. Uh, raise your hand high. Let me see administrators, okay? I see some administrators. You, you like when things are orderly. You walk into your house, and, and the clothes are not on the chandelier, but instead they're in the drawer, you know? Like, yeah, the, the clothes should be in the drawer. That's where they go. This isn't new, you know? And maybe your spouse doesn't have that gift of administration. Anyways, I'm really hoping you see yourself at least three times or more in this list. I'm going to go through all 20, and somebody might say, that's going to take a while. You're right, it is. And uh, so uh, here we go. Let's see if you're a long snapper for the ducks or not. The first, first one we see in 1 Corinthians 12, and I'm just going to go through this fairly, fairly quick. Um, you can write this down. Just listen for your gift. Listen for what, what God might have given to you. And I would say this about gifts at the precept, is that God gives you the gift. So don't pat yourself on the back or get all stressed out that you have to do it right or have to go get it or go to Salvation Army and find it. God gives gifts. that You just show up. You ever, you ever had Christmas at your house? It's pretty easy right? You go downstairs, there's gifts with your name on it. Like, you know how to do it. Then you take the gift and open it, and it's yours. It's like, you know, you open up somebody else's gift. You ever done that? No one does that. No one does that. You know how this works. And so it's not a stressful thing. It's a beautiful thing. First one uh, listed in the scriptures, and this is in no way of order or importance, but the word of wisdom, it's a gift where God actually uh, gives you the mind and heart of God. You're not just smart with wisdom, but it's the word of wisdom. You're smart also, but you have a sense of how things work in God's kingdom and its process. These are what elders would have and what deacons would have and parents and leaders and pastors. They would have this gift of the word of wisdom. And maybe you've had some, you're just making a decision. Yesterday, I counseled with somebody who was going through some stuff and making some really important decisions in their life. And I, I just offered this um, very practical way of doing things and setting a minimum and a maximum of these certain dates they were setting. And the response was, wow, that's, that's sound wisdom right there. And actually, it was. It was a gift of wisdom. It was the, the Lord giving that. It's just a gift. This might not be your main identity and who you are. I have the word of wisdom. You know, <laughs> I need a badge at church. You know, where's the word of wisdom guy? You know, I think this gift kind of is, is given... <laughs> God just gives this gift out when you have an ear towards heaven and a mouth towards the body, and you want to share it. Ask the Lord. And by the way, you can pray for all of these gifts. You can ask the Lord to give them to you. I'll talk about that at the end. Secondly, uh, it's not, not the word of wisdom, but God will give you the word of knowledge. Uh, this is when uh, people, uh, you speak to them in their situation accurately, and uh, somehow it's, just, so it's a gift from God to them through you. And this is fun when it's used by God's power for God's glory, and it's really fruitful. Mike Pitzel, he's a local guy in town. He has this gift. He's used it in my life many times where he has a, a word of not just wisdom, but a word of actual knowledge. It's actually personal, where someone will share something. You're like, whoa, how'd you know that? And they're like, well, I, there's no way I... I no way to explain how I knew it, but God knew it, and he just gave this word of knowledge. And uh, this is a real special gift, again, when it's used for primarily God's glory and the edification of the body. And if you want that gift, you have to have those parameters in place in your life. Lord, I want to just give you glory and edify the body. You could, on one hand, say, I want the word of knowledge, like Simon the sorcerer in the book of Acts. He wanted the gift of laying hands on people and seeing things happen. He said, I want this. How much is it? <laughs> okay. God's glory, edification of the body. That's got to be your prerogative based on love. Why do I want the gifts? Why do I want to be a better singer, a better leader, a better pastor? Why do I want to do this? That's why. The third gift uh, that the Holy Spirit gives uh, to the body, because he's a giver, is the gift of faith. Uh, this is people that have this gift. They just have faith. 
as the opposite of Eeyore, if you would. You know, they just have faith in a situation. You're bogged down, things are overwhelmed, and you just, hey, we can do this. And I, an optimist would be a person with the gift of faith. Caleb and Joshua had the gift of faith. They went and they spied the land, and 10 came out, and they said, look, man, it's legit, but there's bad guys out there. We can't do it. They came back with a different report. Oh, man, it is legit, and there are some bad guys over there, and we believe that God told us that we could have the land. We're just going to have to go kick them out. 40 years went by, and they had their wandering, and at age 85, Caleb said, I'll take the hard, hardest part. You got any real hard parts? You know, I'd like to see the Lord. He had faith, the gift of faith. And you need to surround yourself with people with the gift of faith when you are faithless, okay? Not everyone has this gift, but if you know, you got to surround yourself when you're making decisions where the people would have this gift and share it with you. Uh, the gift of healing is mentioned in the scriptures. And uh, God is the healer, okay? Not you. Just need to think this through. A lot of people are interested in signs and wonders and healings, okay? I, I am too. They're alive today. God heals at his will. He heals. You don't, though. If you're confused about that, you're going to do it wrong. God gives the gift of healing. And I love praying for people that are sick or chronic in their illness and just saying, Lord, if you have a gift of healing for this person, it's very simple. Give it to them. I ask for it in Jesus' name. If you don't have a gift of healing for this person right now, then, then Lord, give them mercy. And give them, Lord, strength and give them, Lord, wisdom and a word of knowledge that would encourage them. And, and I, Chuck Smith, I don't have the time to tell the whole story, but a man came forward in a wheelchair uh, to see Chuck Smith. And Chuck was given the, the gift of healing at that moment, prayed for him, said, be healed in Jesus' name. The guy stood up and walked out. The next, by the way, the guy came up to be healed of a, or prayed for because he had a cold, not his wheelchair. He didn't even want to be healed. <laughs> and the next week, another guy in a wheelchair comes up and Chuck prays for him and the guy wheels off, not healed. Chuck's grandson said, why didn't you heal the, the, the dude, man? You left one guy. You know what? He said, I didn't have the gift. The gift was given at the time. I had the gift of faith. The gift of healing was given at that time for that moment for God's glory and for the edification of the body. So it's a gift of healing. You can pray for that also. The gift of miracles. This isn't as common in our, in our culture. It is in our day, but not our culture. Usually it's in more dire situations and, and uh, situations in maybe third world countries where it's not necessarily the gift of healing, but miracles. Uh, if you haven't seen the movie yet, um, Faith Like Potatoes. Uh, faith Like Potatoes is a story of one man who had faith in God to do crazy things and miracles happen. Stuff that didn't make any sense at all. And, and you've seen little minor miracles in your life. Maybe some of you have walked in major miracles. Maybe not healings, but things that just don't make any sense at all. And God just pulls stunts for you and does mighty things, again, for his glory, for the edification of the body. Uh, number six is the gift of prophecy, where God uses you to declare truth above the lies, and um, you have the gift of clarity, uh, boldness, you're a good leader, and you speak, or you might be a good organizer, and you know God's heart, his word, and the timeline that we live in. You can, you can speak over darkness. Uh, I'm going to keep going fast, so I hope you're writing these down or hearing yourself in this. Uh, number seven, the gift of discerning of spirits. You just know what's up. You just have wisdom. And it's crazy. I've, I have this gift where I can just kind of sense what's right and what's wrong. And it, if something's up, I don't know the rules or why, but I just say, this, is, this isn't right. This is wacky. And it's the gift of discernment. I've actually been around people that don't have the gift of discernment. Okay? Don't give them the keys to the car. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, you can't drive. You don't get to pick where we're going. You, know? you, you have the gift of mercy over here, something different. And you can pray for this gift of discernment. I am... Anyways, um, gift of discernment. Number eight is the gift of uh, tongues. And uh, this is private worship to the Lord. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 that not all speak in tongues, but some do. And when you have this gift of tongues, it is a gift that has been given to you to be intimate with the Lord. 
to just worship him. I have the gift of tongues. I, I, I would imagine about half of the people here, maybe, maybe one-third uh, have the gift. Maybe, maybe, maybe half do and one-third know it and the other, whatever that is, don't know it. And maybe I just imagine not all have it. And the purpose of it is your private prayer language to the Lord. There is another gift of tongues um, that is not necessarily for private use, but it is uh, for a more public use. And I'm not going down rabbit trails. There's, there's different thoughts here. But there's another gift called the gift of interpretation of tongues. When the gift of interpretation of tongues is in use, there will be the gift of tongues, and the tongue will edify the Lord. It will glorify God. It's not prophecy. It's always, it's always for, for foretelling not the future, but it is proclaiming God's goodness and his plan of salvation. And when the gift of interpretation is given, someone will just know what is being spoken. I actually was at a prayer meeting many, many years ago, and the people were speaking in tongues privately to themselves, and somebody spoke out loud, and there was a man there at this prayer meeting, a stranger from the body who wasn't a believer, and when the prayer tongue went out, I knew exactly what had been said. It was a mind blow. I didn't make it up. It was a gift given to me, the gift of interpretation. I was like, whoa, hey, everyone, stop. This is crazy. You know, and I gave the gift, and it was a gift of salvation, the message of Jesus' love to this dude, this homeless guy, this, this hitchhiker that had just entered into our, our, our circle there, and it was just so cool how the Lord worked, and it's not common, not not often, unless you're putting yourself in a position for that to flow. Uh, number 10, uh, he gives us the gift of apostleship. This is um, those who have the apostolic call. They see uh, beyond the local church, and they see networking, and they're church planners, and book writers, and conference speakers, and just kind of a bigger uh, emphasis. Uh, the gift of teaching, you can help understand things. Uh, you can help other people understand things at different le levels. You have patience, and you have clarity, and big concepts, and you can help other people get it. Uh, the, it's a gift, a gift of teaching. Uh, uh, Twelfth, uh, the gift of helps and service. Okay, You love other uh, you love to serve others with practical uh, needs and practical ways. You don't really want to pray for people or be spiritual or speak. You just want to go mow a lawn and, and put a roof on someone's house. You know, you want to wash their windows or vacuum their house. You don't want to lay hands on them and pray for them. You don't even want to hear their problems. You know, you, you just got the gift of helps. Like you can do stuff and you love to serve. You love to shovel stuff and dig holes and you love to just be a service, but you're not all spiritually driven and that's your gift. You love to just serve in that way. There's the gift of administration, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. So this is the person who, again, loves to organize. You see things. You're like, why is it all this way? And you, you, you want to just fix stuff and label it and, and, and graph it and chart it. And you want a spreadsheet and you want a report and a summary, you know, and a follow-up and an agenda, you know, and a, an action plan. And you're an administrator. And I, I go to meetings all the time, and I love seeing administrators work because there can be talk, 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 talk. And they'll stop and say, what's the action plan? You know, and no one knows, and so they already knew. So they, here's the action plan. You know, they're leading and administrating in this way. Uh, there's also the gift of evangelism, and you just love non-Christians, and you love events, and you love baby Christians, and you have a lot of grace, and you see crazy things going on, and it doesn't scandalize you. You're like, oh, man, they're going to get it one day, and you hear that a bunch of Christians are out smoking. You're an evangelist, and you're like, smoking what? Like smoking cigarettes, oh, good, good, you know, and you're an evangelist, you're like, good, good, that's way better than what they were smoking last week, you know, and doesn't trip you up, you know, and the prophet, on the other hand, over here going, oh, thus saith the Lord, you know, and it's a different story, and different gifts, and uh, there's the gift of shepherding or pastoring, same Greek word, it's a gift, and you just love to help people, you want them to do well, you, you care for them, you're on your knees praying, you want them to do better than you're doing, really, a shepherd will, will lay his life down for uh, the sheep, and uh, you're looking for ways to um, just come alongside, whether it's time, talent, and treasure for the well-being of another. Uh, number 16, the gift of encouragement. This is a gift God gives to people. You, you, can, uh, you can see somebody who's down. You're, you're, you're given that gift. You ask them how they're doing, and they go, I'm okay. And you're given the gift of encouragement. You're like, that is, you're, you're not okay. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what's going on. And you encourage them. 
and you encourage, you have that gift. Some people, you know, just move right along. They don't have that gift. Um, you're looking for people who are beat up to encourage them and to um, put faith back in them. Number 17, the gift of giving. This is fun. People just have the gift of giving. They, they just want things to be done well. They ask the church, how's the church going? How's that building project coming? You guys got enough money? What's the next step? What do you guys need? They ask about, you know, projects. How's, how, how's Open the Park? How much is that going to cost the church this summer? $12,000, by the way. How much, you know, how, much, how much is that going to cost? And they have the gift of giving. They, they say, hey, when that project comes up, when you send the kids to, to Camp Tadmore, let me know, and I'll, I'll cover the bill. They just, they just have this gift inside. It's not just giving of tithe and offering, just your normal worship, but they have a, a, a special desire and the equipment God has given to them to come alongside. We've got a couple people in this church that just say, hey, when that special project comes up, you let me know. When you need new projectors, you let me know. Okay? When we go to the, the next building, you let me know, and I'll, I'll give uh, in the way that God has given to me first. It's a gift, and there's the gift of leading. You see things, how they should be done. Uh, you actually can find three or more or five or 10 or 15 and just naturally organize them. You know this, it, I, the gift of leadership. I have the natural gift of leadership. I can kind of just get involved with three or four or five, six people and just kind of sense, if, is there a leader here? Okay, there's no leader here. Then you start leading and you, you know, people start following. You know you're a good leader when you have followers, just so you know. You know what I'm saying? If you think you're a leader and there's nobody following, you're just taking a walk. Okay? <laughs> hey, pastor, I'm a, I'm a good leader. He's <laughs> like, no, you're by yourself. <laughs> I don't think, you know, I don't know, you know. Anyways, um, number 19, we're almost done with this, is uh, the gift of mercy. And uh, these are ones that you just, if you're in a tough time, maybe you need, maybe have sin in your life, you like to confess your sin to this person, they just mercy, kindness. And God can give this gift to you even if you're an administrator or, or if you're a leader. He'll give you the gift of mercy at that time. And when you're dealing with hurting people, the Lord, give me the gift of mercy for them. Or maybe you've been offended. Lord, I need the gift of mercy. to I, want, I need to receive it and, re, and have it and give it. <sighs> lastly is uh, the gift of hospitality. And I say lastly because it's the last on my list, but not the last that God has to give. But uh, the gift of hospitality. And you just love to host people and share your stuff. And man, if you're wondering if you have this gift, if you're wondering if you have the gift of hospitality, if you don't know if you have it, you don't. Okay, I'm just telling you right now. If you, you don't have it. It's just, that's okay. You can pray for it. The Bible actually says to pursue hospitality, to actually be more giving and more loving. The gift of hospitality, gals and guys that have this, and they love to clean their house. They love to buy throw pillows. They love to have food in the, fr in the fridge for people. You know, they love to, you know, what do you do? Come on over. Come on over. You're two phones at once. Come on over. You know, they just love it, and people come over. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's not your gift if you wonder if it's your gift. But if you have it, you just love all that stuff, and you love people sitting on your couch. If somebody sits on your couch, or comes in your living room, you think you just won the gold medal in Rio. You know, yeah, there's people at my house. You know, you just feel good. You know, and uh, there's others who don't have that gift. You know, <laughs> and uh, I remember one time I went to my buddy's house. I shouldn't, I, I won't embarrass him. He doesn't live here, but uh, he does not have the gift of hospitality at all. He invited us over for lunch. Like, come on over for lunch, fellowship. It made sense that we should at least go over there. Lunch was peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on crusty bread with warm diet soda out of the closet. Like, here's a soda, bro. You know, I was like sitting on like the ground. I'm like, right on, you know, can we go somewhere else? And that's not his gift. And he knows it. That's not his gift is hospitality. And I know it too now. In summary, in summary, in summary, all are gifted to give. This will trip you out. You, you're, you've been given a gift, time, talent, or treasure to give. You can make a life, a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. And the best way to live is, is to, to give. Here's some practical thoughts on your giftedness, okay? I'm just going to rip through these. You can come to the next service and the next if you miss it. Here we go. Now, all are gifted and some are really gifted, okay? That's just the way it is. 
All are gifted. Some are really gifted. And you just need to know your part. If you're really gifted, you need to cultivate those gifts and step in. Everyone has a gift, though. Uh, the question would be, what's your gift? Uh, secondly, it doesn't matter if it's a talent that you had at birth, you're just naturally good at something, or something you received at rebirth. It doesn't matter if it's you're a good singer, just naturally. That's not a spiritual gift. Singing's not a spiritual gift. That's a natural gift. You can use it for God, and it becomes a spiritual gift. So it doesn't matter if it's natural or supernatural. Use it for God. I don't care what it is. Maybe, you have a, maybe you're a business owner, and you, man, you're good. You're an administrative business guy. <laughs> better glorify God. You better run your businesses right for Jesus' sake, and it's, it's going to be awesome. That's what he made you to do. Uh, thirdly, uh, gifts are found through trial and error. Okay, you can try something and it works and it's a blessing and you just know it's God. I just, I just, I just try and it worked. Or you can try something and everybody says, stop it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think I have the gift of leading worship, you know, and you're like, and up here and everyone's like, nah, you don't, you know, get down off the stage. And it's just trial and error. That's okay. And I've tried some stuff <laughs> where I'm like, that's not my gift. I just, that's not my gift. I've tried it. Uh, also, uh, you can have multiple gifts, not just one. Okay, so don't be a weirdo and, uh. You can have lots of the gifts. You might have different levels of giftedness, okay? You might be a good leader, but you're not a great leader. That's okay. You might be able to lead one or two people at your, at your staff. You might be able to lead one or two people in a, in a Sunday school room. You might be able to lead one or 20 people. You might be able to lead 30 or 40 people, different levels of giftedness. I'm, I have the gift of leading. Well, what do you lead? Well, I lead four churches and five different campuses. Wow, that's a pretty extreme gift. That's amazing what you're doing. And different levels of giftedness uh, also in the list is you can pray for more gifts as long as your goal is to serve the body and glorify God and not to be served. Um, I have pursued gifts, by the way, personally, and the Lord just kind of asked me, why do you want to do that? What's your, what's your deal, Luke? And I've had to let my heart be known. Oh, looks cool. <laughs> you know, wouldn't it be cool, you know, in the name of Jesus, be healed, <laughs> you know, and, and God loves me too much. He's like, I'm not going to give you that gift. You're, you're a weirdo. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you your gifts, and you're going to do it. It's going to be awesome. Uh, another thought is that you're going to have to cultivate your gifts. Just because God gave you an edge doesn't mean it's sharp. Okay, just because you, you have a natural inclination. This is a hard one for me to figure out. I'm finally getting it because I got natural talents. And natural talents will only take you so far, okay? And then you gotta have put in the work, the cultivation, the growth. And naturally, God's made me a leader. He's given me a lot of different gifts and speaking. And if I am wise, I will take those, that, that edge, that, that sharpness that God, then make sure it's sharp. Make sure that I'm growing and, and, and using my gifts and cultivating what God has given uh, to me and you continually bring your gifts and talents to the Lord for refining and sharpening. Um, another thought is you have to be willing to serve outside of your gifting from time to time. Let's say somebody comes to you and says, man, I'm just really hurt and I just really need to talk to somebody, need someone to pray for me. And you're like, not my gift. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you got to be willing to kind of explore other gifts from time to time and not just say, not my job, not my responsibility. Okay. You got to be able to just at least be honest with what is happening directly in front of you. Also, is your gifts will be discovered. Oftentimes, you'll find your gift through times of frustration. In other words, let's say you came into a room and came into a situation and saw something that's going wrong, and your first thought is, why doesn't anybody fix that? Why isn't anybody talking to that person over there? They're over there crying. Nobody's ministering to them. What's wrong with you people? And all of a sudden, your gift is discernment and wisdom and mercy. No one else has the gift at the time. Maybe you come in and things are lights are all burned out or things aren't happening right or you, have, you just don't, and you see it and you're frustrated at first. Why don't they do this or at your job? Why doesn't my boss do this? It's not his gift. And your gift will be identified through frustration often. So be careful. If you're frustrated right now, chances are God's revealing a gift for you to walk in. I'm gonna have the worship team come on up and join us up here and uh, we're gonna end in, in prayer. I got two more things to say though. 
your gifts are to contribute, not just consume. So don't just take it. Don't have that business model where I'm going to give the least amount and expect the most amount. I'm going to give the most amount and expect the most amount. And lastly, in this list, come on up, guys. Is your gift, this is very important, is not your identity. It's your activity. This will, this will help you, especially for you who are highly gifted. Your identity is in Christ. Your activity is what you do. I am not a pastor. I'm a Christian that pastors. Okay? You might say, I'm a prophet of God. No, you're not. You're a Christian who has the gift of prophecy. Okay? That's your activity. That's your part to, that's your part to give and take. Your identity, though, is in Christ. You're a Christian. You're part of the body. I'm just part of the body with the gift of prophecy. It's crazy. I have the gift of healing. I don't know why. You know, I have the gift of discernment. I don't know why. I have the gift of knowledge. I don't know why. I don't know why. I'm a Christian, though, and so are you, and so we're together. So my gift is your gift. My gift is for you. It's not me over you. It's all. This is my activity. And my activity, joined with your activity, is like my body here together doing this funny running man thing. All of it working together. Helping. I'm going to ask you guys to stand with me. I talked a little bit long. Didn't I say I was going to do a shorter sermon? That's on you guys. I want you to be encouraged today. I really do. I want you to be excited. I want you to be provoked a little bit. Oh, yeah. Being alive is fun. Being a Christian is fun. My activity, oh, that'll be exciting. My identity, that's in Jesus. I abide in the vine. His roots growing down. Holy Spirit's fruit coming out. So, Father, in Jesus' name, bless your body. As we come to the table now and commune, as we celebrate what you've done, Lord, as we look to you, Jesus. As we anticipate praying later, as we anticipate, Lord, responding, Lord, this is awesome. Be in the body. Because of the head, because of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our salvation, our lover. So we take the bread and we take the cup, examining ourselves and proclaiming your death until you return. Lead us on and use us, Lord. Bless this time, worship and response. There's people on my right and left to pray for you during this time as well. In Jesus' name, amen.